I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. And what a difference a week makes, whether that's the All Blacks winning or maybe the pressure coming off Ian Foster or the pressure now going on NZR. So many things have changed in the space of a week and we've got so much to talk about again today and we are joined by a special guest to join the usual fellas as well. James Parsons is in the studio, Bryn Hall in Japan and because we are worldwide, thank you very much Springbok legend Skulkberger for coming into the show today. How's it, guys? Thank you for waking me up so early. And, um, uh, couldn't, we re- couldn't we reschedule this for last week? Last Monday, we were sitting here, big smiles, jumping up and down. The alarm went off at 6.30 and everyone had energy. The kids were running around the box. One. It's a little quieter in my house this morning. It's like uh, it's the good old dark Monday. No one get waking up. You almost feel like you've got a hangover. But you're right. What a difference a week makes, especially down here for us as South Africans and also for you guys as the All Blacks. You were there. Could you believe what you were seeing? How much it changed? Humbombela, the Nelspray Test match was like the perfect you know, box dismantling of how to play the All Blacks, how disciplined they were in their structure. I think we've got such a simple plan that it relies heavily on energy and accuracy from all facets of our play. Um, in Nelspray and in Ellis Park, we were standing there. I didn't see the turnaround happening. I just thought there was too much for the All Blacks to conquer in week, one week um, from how many mistakes they made individually, their kicking game, how our defence rushed them, put them under pressure, creating errors, and they didn't, didn't get the gain line. They didn't boss the gain line at all. So I thought the box would come down a little bit, actually. Um, and I would think because the All Blacks were desperate, the backs against the wall, it's not only players' livelihoods, it's also the coaches and staff, that they'll be desperate and they'll come up. Um, and, and I had a box victory by five points. I didn't see the big turnaround. And, and I think that the, it was a phenomenal test match. And I think the box started off slow. You can't you know, start with a 15-point deficit. They did so well to claw this, their way back into the game just before halftime. Um, and I think they just left themselves too much to do and, and, and ran out of pass for various reasons after that. I think the scoreline sort of flattens the All Blacks because in that second half, we created so many opportunities. We crossed the whitewash quite a few times uh, without you know, getting the results we wanted to. Um, but they're all credit to the All Blacks. You know, they came out there. I think Fazel made a big difference at blindside just for gain line. You know, he mixed it with our big boys. Uh, Toka Aho for a second week in a row, I thought, was outstanding. And that freed up your backs to make better decisions because they had quick ball and gain line, which they didn't have in L spread. So uh, I think all of us were quite shocked when the box went, you know, 15 points down. They actually, the first five minutes had a good start. You know, they kicked their first ball. They won it back. The All Blacks threw a couple of loose passes, handling errors like they did in announcement. And we thought, oh dear, here we go again. The box is on the rampage. And then they got Damien Willemsi, a card 
which we'll probably go through later, which I think it was quite harsh on him. I don't think he had anything to do, it, do with it. Eben Etzebeth stole the ball. So, and then, you know, international rugby, you guys have been on the brunt of it against the Irish. When you play with 40 men for any period of time, it's, it's a hard thing to conquer. It's just what we do now is we play with 14 men for periods of time. Let's not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's stay out of that rabbit no, hole. I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that the following week, you know, after you guys did it, the Irish got away with it. So uh, Brody Rutelic, you know, basically soaked the hit up with his cheekbone. Yeah. Um, but that's where our job at, as pundits becomes a hard day. You, uh, you think you know the game, but you've got absolutely no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Great sell, Joel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, Bryn, we didn't see you last week. I'm really interested to see what you thought of the changes, especially in the way that the backline approached things um, from the All Blacks this time around. Yeah, first, I just want to apologise, firstly, Jipper, for uh, you being the only person last week, as long as, you know, Skulk's here right now, fronting us right now with their loss, and unfortunately, <laughs> last week, I wasn't here to do it. So, but um, now look, um, you know, Skulk touched on a few of those points, which I thought they did really, really well. Um, look, I thought our kicking game was a lot better, and I thought Richie and Davey um, changed up really, really well, whether it be uh, long exit kicks. I thought, um, take away bar the two poor exits that were that the South Africans were able to score off that. Look, I thought Richie's general play kicking was fantastic. And then, you know, even Davey, you know, with the type, the type of attacking kicks to Adi Severe early on, especially with that line line speed that, that was coming from the South, Afri South Africans from Mumpepe and co., um, I thought we were a lot better being able to get around with it through kicking and even our execution with passing. You look at Geordie Barrett, chucking it to Will Jordan for Sam Kane's try. We just weren't seeing pitches like that last week, being able to get around. So um, to be honest, I didn't think they were able to do that because we probably haven't shown a lot of um, a lot of growth and improvement in that area during the Irish series and even the first series, first game against the South Africans. But I thought they were able to get to the edge a lot better. And so we were able to stress the, the South Africans a lot more. And then um, our set piece more, I think, again, um, you know, the South Africans had a lot of opportunities early on. Um, you know, Andre Pollard and them turned down a lot of points early doors to be able to try and, I guess, get parity um, and the line out more. And even though we did give a little bit and there were a few penalties, um, they didn't cross our line. And I think, you know, Jason Ryan, again, has come to the to the fold around improving that in such a short amount of time. And he'll be able to keep continuing with those, with those, with those groups of men and being able to improve them a lot more. And lastly, I thought the breakdown. And um, we were just so much better in the breakdown, being able to get quick ball and, Look, we've said it a lot. If you can't win the breakdown and you can't uh, win that physicality and get that kind of quick ball that we play at, we see pitches like last week where we weren't, we weren't able to be able to get around the Springboks line speed defense. So um, all in all, they made a lot of changes, which I thought um, they probably weren't going to be able to make but in one week. So I guess that credit comes back to credit to the leadership group, the coaching, and being able to, I guess, make those changes in such a short amount of time, especially at Alice Park. Look, I've played at Alice Park, and I know not at a test match level, but in a final end. I know how hostile and even now we're not even talking about the veld and how hard it is to breathe up there as well. So um, out on all, Jip, I think it was a great performance, probably one that we weren't expecting, but us as All Blacks, um, what a great way to play for their coach Ian Foster for such a trying couple of weeks back in New Zealand and, and South Africa last week. Yeah, well, based on my comments last week, I um, <clears throat> sort of said there'd be uh, some key changes that we could make that could give us a chance, and I've been abused uh, <laughs> profusely online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> saying I'm delusional and they don't know what I was smoking. But uh, I, I'm pretty happy when I woke up and, and you know, first 20 minutes, I thought, man, we're in here. And, and, I, and I, I probably didn't articulate it as well as I um, meant it to come across. But I do genuinely think there were just some simple adjustments. Like, So, for instance, I spoke about 
getting rid of the tip passes and the out the back passes and just going direct and almost having the mindset of we're going to go direct and your cleaners know and they don't need to expect to think they're going to get a pass or not. So they're winning those races so they can win those collisions, as you said, sort of boss the gain line. That was, that was one change that was clear and evident. And then when we went to the tips a little bit later, we got some you know, good gains in between it. But that first half was really, really direct uh, and, and got us into the game, got our forwards into the game and potentially a bit of confidence. Um, secondly was not letting the South Africans um, kick on their terms. So often we just let them kick on the terms, either didn't try and stop them at set piece. We had good, good um, you know, parity, if not some dominance at line-out time in terms of um, turning ball over, and, and you saw that in the substitution early, getting marks on. But I think that, you know it was sort of the confidence was back in the All Blacks' sale by then. Um, and then secondly, I spoke about if we can just hit the breakdown and not let them set up, set up that centipede and just take forever and a day to kick it and, and we can't get at them in pressure. You see in the 15th minute, uh, De Groot hits it, Whitelock hits it and the ball bounces out the back mm. and they have to rush that mm. kick and it kicks long. So then we don't need to worry about our escort game. And then in a couple of other instances, we're hitting that ruck, we've got Barrett's pressure and the kick's not as accurate. And, and then when, we've had es when we had to escort, we escorted a lot better. So all in all, that mm. frustration came. And then if you watch late in the piece around uh, the Springboks box kicks, as we, we were tired, obviously, because you know, it, was, it was about the 60 minute mark, we weren't hitting the ruck, but because the damage had been done and the fear of that ruck being hit, they were rushing their kicks still, and they couldn't get that um, competition for their wingers up in the air, which was massive. Bryn sort of touched on the kicking game, but I, I, I feel like those sort of three areas of uh, set piece parity, not letting the Springboks kick on their terms and our ability to just put the tip pass away and the fancy stuff and just going direct were massive. And I said last week, those are small shifts. They are little small mindset shifts, but they make a huge difference against a game plan. As you'd know, Skulk, that is, you know, it, it is very clear that's the style you like to play. And when you do it well, it's pretty hard to play against. But when you do have the ability to adjust the thinking and rush um, the strategy around that, it is, it is quite an effective you know, weapon against that style. When that goes away, you see the Springboks play with width, and they're bloody good at it. <laughs> and you, you want to see it more. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess our, our hand was forced. You know, we were 15 points down. And, and, and I guess that's where the, the substitutions came on quite early. And I think just before halftime, we, our coaching staff, we, that's what we do. We back that bench. That's where we would go 6-2. He brought on a couple of big names, and we, we, we got our foot into the game, 15-10. I, and I guess, James, you mentioned it. It was game nine. It's being direct first. The space will come later. That's yeah. how you play against the rush. You can't go like the first week, tip, 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 because mm. our rush won't stop. You know, mm. it's not a rush for five metres. They go, they carry on 10, 15, 20 yards. They catch you behind the game line. And for me, it was in interesting where they found the width or the space, and it was out in their own, own 22 where we would probably have extra man in the backfield relying on you guys to kick it long. You've, you, you've, implied, uh, you, you've, you've played with a long kicking game the first test match, a change around the second test match. For me as well, the big change we made, Damien Willemson went off as a fullback and we brought Vili mm. LaRue on. And instead of just, I think, going, stick him on the right wing where Jesse Creel was, he moved um, to the fullback. Damien the Allender moved to 13. Lucana um, went to the wing. He was ridiculous on the wing, by the way. I think he had, must have had like <laughs> a thousand running meters. Just joking. But on the weekend, he was incredible. Then we moved David Willemster to 12. So one injury brought along four positional changes. 
And I think the biggest benefit of having Lucanio um, um, at 13 is just how good he defends. And he's one of those players that gets himself in between the ball and the man, and we defend the ball. You know, there's always men over. And I think that sort of robbed us of confidence of just going up and get them. That, coupled with our work rate, if we don't set early as a rush, if we don't dominate the gain line, it's the hardest thing to still back the rush because then you feel super vulnerable. And I think that's where the All Blacks got us on the weekend. So that was the one thing for me. You mentioned when we started playing rugby, we've got some phenomenal rugby players and the width we created. I think Vili LaRue's passes off his left hand on the weekend was unbelievable. And he always runs that nice little arc. And when you pick them up, I think picks him, pick him up and he's got that little hitch kick. He's got that little outside swift and then he pulls the trigger off the left hand. He was incredible. Damien Willems is playing ridiculous rugby as a back and We really chased that game hard. Um, you, can, you can go through it and you think, you know, yeah, was that first intercept try um, for knock-on off Oxen chair, Sam White, like, was it a strip? It probably was a strip, mm. but it was called as a knock-on. Um, foot and touch, Damon Willems scores the second one. Uh, the small little bump obstruction from Jaden Hendricks, uh, uh, Makazoli Mapimpi mm. scores in the left corner. The complexion of the game looks a little bit different, yeah. and, and that's the margins of international rugby. I think, as a whole, the All Blacks did enough to deserve the win out of that game. But a couple of big moments, either other way, it would have been probably one of the great Ellis Park test matches. And you look at a game that probably could have gone the Springboks way. Um, so we created heaps of opportunities, but like we want to pressure at line out time with Joseph Dweba starting. He's such a nice player to watch, but his darts is a little bit dodgy. And, and I think, you know, that was one opportunity that the All Blacks snuffed out early on. Um, obviously, starting with Dwayne Vermeulen back from injury. Love Dwayne. He's one of my best mates. One of our, our talisman as rugby. Maybe it was not the right test match to bring him back into. Obviously, he lasted 30 minutes and got changed out. Um, and then I think that positional switch for defence was a big one. They do have some interesting selection policies at the moment, don't they? It feels like Ninaba and Erasmus are willing to sacrifice test matches in the name of the World Cup, which is not an approach we do in New Zealand. You win every single test. But in South Africa, it seems World Cup above all. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that's that's what we target. But look, I mean, we wanted to win this test match. I think what they do beforehand is they super well planned. Every single test match, players they want to give minutes, players they want to bring back, see if they could, you know, still good enough to make it to the World Cup. Older players like a Franz Stein, Wayne Vermeer, and younger players like a Joseph Dweber, they want to introduce them in the big phase, the big stage, because they want to create that depth. And you know. Because we do the 6-2 split, look, that 6-2 split runs risks. And we're so lucky. We've been so lucky for um, since 2019 World Cup where we've lost two backs early on and somehow not a single another back gets injured or Kwaka Smith you know, helps out on the on the wing or centre. So, you know, it has its risks. But, like, we pick sides with, you know, the comfort that we know we've got another pack of forwards that we can bring on. Um, I think, you know, you you think that this week will be a hard pull to swallow for the box because I, th I think they truly believed after Nell spread they had it, they had the All Blacks, you know, for the taking. And, and I think all of us felt the same way. You know, hindsight's perfect, you know. Um, you think now, like, you should have probably played the players who had the biggest impact in that first test match. Malcolm Marks, why don't start him? You know, why, why don't <laughs> I ask that why question give, every why week? Give the All Black, yeah, why, why, give oh. the, why give the All Blacks a foothold in the game? Why don't put keep your foot on the throat and go for him? Because we ask so many times on this podcast, like, why Malcolm Marks doesn't start every single weekend? Because, and like, play arguably, minutes. he's 
he's arguably the best, one of the best hookers in the world. So I guess just from a South African perspective, like what's the reason why they probably think that they want to bring him off the bench or even you see on the weekend, he comes on in the first 25, 28 minutes. Why not start him? What are the reasons behind that? Yeah, uh, Bryn, I think we ask the question sometimes ourselves. You know, he's only started half the test matches he's played. He's played 52. I think he started 26 of them, or 51 and started 26 of them. Um, he's such a good player, but I think his value is there in both cases. Like, as he, as a starter, he's the best in the world. And I think or coming off the bench, he can change the complexion of the game. And I think it's also mm-hmm. got to do something with the combination. So if Bongi Manambi was meant to start on the weekend, he tweaked his knee on the Thursday. If him and Oxen Chess starts with France Malaba, I think they're the best scrumming unit to start a test match with. And then when they come back, this through the sheer body build, Malcolm, Mark, Stephen Kitsoff and Vincent Koch is our second best scrumming unit we've got. So I think that plays a big role in it. So if Malcolm Mark starts, then we'll probably see Stephen Kitsoff starting a bit more. And Stephen Kutsov, believe it or not, I think he holds the record for South Africa for most, most um, appearances off the bench. It's 49 out of how many test matches he's played. And there's another player where you've got a case in point for you. Can he start? Mm-hmm. But I think it's all about the combinations and how how our team set up um, to empty their tanks, put as much pressure, and the reward really comes late. Um, but yeah, I mean, Malcolm Marks is a, a phenomenal player, and his performance in Nelspreet was probably match-defining. Mm. Oh, it was huge. But every time, I, I agree, like he does come off the bench and, man, he turns games on its head. But I, I don't know, maybe I'm a fanboy of Malcolm Marks. And, <laughs> but like, I just reckon he could play 60, 70 every week like, and, and deliver the same performance. Yeah. But it does show the difference in mindset, whereas we probably look at our players so much from an attacking and defence and probably don't fixate on that combination at that set piece and, and, and being really clear on that. That's almost, that's the sort of last box we tick rather than the impact that players can make around the field. Um, well, could, I found that interesting just then because it does make sense when, you, when you, it's explained that way. I think we set up for test match footy. Uh, and, and we've got, as we mentioned, we've got certain things that we really want to test players against. And I think the one thing when you play the box and you watch the games live, which is evident, everything you do against the box, you know, saps energy. Mm-hmm. We scrum for long. We maul for long. We make the exit breakdowns a nightmare. We go after every single... There's no free carry against the box. You try and make every carry as hard. Every rack is a competition. And I think that's the way we set up. And that's why we've got, you know, the six forwards... More, I like the six forwards when we actually like the weekend. We've got two loose forwards that can come on. I don't fancy it as much when, like, as in Elspret, we've got two locks, but that was probably forced through, you know, just the squad and who was fit and who was available to play. But everything is high in energy. And so when you play against the box, I think sometimes we take away teams' biggest strengths. And I think the first test in Elspret for us was perfect and how disciplined and how accurate we was that when the All Blacks eventually had the balls, they sort of felt, on their feet there was not enough work rate to create you know time on the ball mm. carries over the gain line and, and i guess that's why we set our team up like it is that teams are ripe for the picking in the last 20 and and that's just our approach to our strength our our in opposition weaknesses um but i mean at your point i mean malcolm marks can can start every single test match um, but Bungi and Banambi does a phenomenal job for us as a starter. You know, he's got a proper work rate mm. and gets stuck in with Ox and Chess. So we maybe didn't see the best version of the Bok pack the, this last weekend. What about the New Zealand pack with a couple of young guys, Fletcher Newell in there? Yeah. Oh, look, I was really impressed with um, Fletcher Newell. You know, he, he looked quite calm and composed at, 
Um, and, and I know uh, we got done, uh, George Bauer got done for angling in, but they actually had the, the box pack under pressure in that one scrum mm. that they did get penalised. Uh, and, and I thought massive test for Tyrell Lomax and Ethan De Groot. Like, Ethan De Groot's work rate was massive. Man, he was counter-rucking. You know, talk about making a, those exit rucks a, a collision and, a, and a, you know, a, a fight. He was into everything. He, him, Frizzell, Whitelock, Barrett, um, you know, they just were relentless in that area, especially in that first half, to get the rewards late in the game. I definitely thought, um, you know, Sam Whitelock and, and Scott Barrett, what they were able to do, <clears throat> you know, defensively on the ball. We talk around Scott Barrett and how much of a menace he was at putting pressure on the Hendrickson around the whole game. And, you know, even though he didn't get a charge down, the amount of pressure that he was communicating to the ref to say if he was on. And then, you know, like you said, Jip, there were a couple of bad kicks where they weren't as good as they were the previous week because they were relentlessly putting pressure on. And then, you, like you said, at the ruck, been able to make that centipede a little bit shorter. So you're second guessing as a nine, and I, and I know how, how hard that is when it isn't stable mm. and you're able to kick. But I thought, you know, Sam had some really good moments around um, influencing a game. Like in that 77th minute, and he got that steal that really set up and I guess stunted that momentum that the South Africans had in that last little passage of play to try and win that game. But um, look, those two, if, you look, if you're talking around the engine room, and then being able to put in a big effort, because I can imagine uh, going last week, and it was even Aaron Smith said at the start of the week, last week around the Ford pack, knowing that they were on notice with the performance that they had the week previously, um, I thought they were able to, they were outstanding around physicality, around the breakdown, putting pressure around that, uh, those kicking games, but then also influencing with the ball in hand, and I think more so um, influencing with jackals and getting steals at crucial moments in games. We talk about Malcolm Marks, but Takiaho is in some form. Like, this is, that is no easy cauldron to go into. You know, I don't think he's missed a line out this, you know, in his all-black career. Um, he is just, and close to the line, you can, he's just hungry, man. He just wants that ball in his hands and he backs himself to get across the gain line. And if there's ever a tough carry, he will position himself to have that carry. Like, he just, he's a beast, man. And, and, and he just looks so, I don't know, he looks almost more comfortable at test match level mm. than he does at super and NPC. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Jipper, after our conversations of recent weeks, was about the All Black pod system. Because it seemed to me like they were a little bit closer, they were a little bit tighter, they weren't quite as spread, and it, and it changed their ability as far as getting that LQB was concerned. That's what I was trying to say before, is sometimes when, you look, when you're trying to have every option, you, know, you catch the ball in the middle and, and guys have to come from certain width and angles to cut in and, and win that race into the space for a tip. But I honestly reckon sometimes, we used to do it when we'd play at Super Rugby against um, the South African sides. It, was, it would almost be like, boys, for 20 minutes we are rolling up our sleeves, park the flash stuff and go and earn the right to do it. And, and you do, as a cleaner, you're like, I've got one job here and it's to beat him into there to win our ball. And if you start tighter, you've got a better chance of doing that. Mm. And, and that's what I've sort of been harping on about is that's the only way you can beat physical teams is you've got to beat them at their own game first before you go to yours. Lots of clarity yeah. there, Bryn. Like it felt like they had clarity. What's well, simplicity? Of yeah. Because you've got one role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's it. I think, you know, <clears throat> we talk around physicality and, you know, why are the All Blacks shape, not why they're not playing so well, why they're not getting it to the edge. It just, it, first and foremost, it comes down to the things that Jip and Skolk were talking about, the physicality, the breakdown and winning those things. And so, as, as, as a pod, if you've got a pretty simple idea around, you know, for the first 20 minutes, if you use that example that Jip's using, or just in general, we're just going to go through them. So we're going to get the Springboks pack going backwards. And if you see in a, a lot of those uh, passages of play, 
due to the effect of how quick the ball, the South Africans weren't set. You know, Scott, you talked about that earlier on. If you are set as a line speed team and you're set and you know exactly who you need to go for, it's so much easier. But if you've got quick ball, you're not set and you can't then make decisions decisively like they did in the previous test. So you look at David Harvilli Erling, we shaped them differently with, with crossfield kicks to Artie Severe. So as a winger or a backfield, you're thinking, oh, is that, is that a kick option now that they're bringing into the game? Richie was kicking through the middle of the field and exiting quite well. And then I think this is their skill set due to the fact that they were getting quick ball. They were able to get it to the edge. You look at Geordie Barrett's pass that I used previously, or there were a couple of times when they were able to get there, whereas last week they weren't able to. So I hate to harp on about it. We've consistently talked about it. But when you get quick ball, it's usually a breakdown, and then it gives you a lot more time. And so, and playing the, the team a second week helps as well. It's, a, it's the same pitch that you're able to uh, train throughout the week, and you're able to see it. For a second week and so um, those trends you get to see them and preview them a week more uh, but that's what I saw Scott you might feel a little bit differently but I thought you know the edge play that we we're able to do was a lot better than it was a week previously yeah I've got to I've got to I've got to agree um, and and by, by making it more simple getting that direct carries with a clean was a big difference the, the first week we just saw these little tips in and behind way too early and they got caught and players dip inside when they feel the heat you run away from your support, mm. you fall with the ball inside. The inside the inside jackal marks is always going to be your threat. Um, it, I really I really think, obviously, we, we said in the week we're not the finished article. We are South African. I think, you know, this weekend showed that we, we're not quite where we want to be for going into a World Cup. Um, also, for me, the All Blacks, for me, when they're the hardest to play against is when the ruck's very dynamic. Um, and that is anyone picking up and going Everyone just, when the ball's available, play it. It doesn't have to be the nine. And sometimes when a ruck, especially against the rush, is so clean where it's the nine, taking a step, passing it, taking a step, passing it. You as defense get into your rhythm. You know, you get into that rhythm when we're going off the line, we're picking off defenders. But when that ruck is moving and it's a dynamic thing, it's so hard to get off the line. Because sometimes, you know, you think, is it gone, is it not? And you sort of hesitate. And you can't hesitate with the rush. And to do the rush for 80 minutes is tiresome because you're going up and down. You're running shuttles. Yeah, you're doing that. It's not like one of those, like the way you guys defend, which is quite narrow and quite comfortable. And, and you get to the edge and then you would come hard for one or two phases and get them to the next edge. I also think like our box weren't very good at, at game management. Um, you know, we, we sort of telegraphed the kick through nine um, and the All Blacks dropped numbers early. Um, they had four in the backfield for most of those exit kicks. Even though our, our kick plan wasn't as accurate and we back ourselves to go up, I still think the play option's on for us. You know, get, find the space from deep, like the All Blacks did against us. You know, having four guys in the backfield, the space that's out wide, and then you can kick on your terms. We almost felt like we kicked to the All Blacks having four in the backfield, and it's so hard to go through all those bodies and still get up in the air. Um, and just on a little mm. technical fault, uh, fault with Jaden Hendricks, his strike zone was wide, it was up the back of the ruck. And we know we've got that blocker that basically just, you know, tries to make it difficult to the charge down. But that's not where the strike zone should be. The strike zone should be behind the ruck. The ruck, you could, no one can jump through a ruck and get a charge down. So Jaden Hendricks was just getting out too wide. And then he was getting in Sam Whitelock and, and Scott Barrett's eye line. And, and that's what threw him off. Um, but like if, if we're chasing a game, the box and and Bowden Barrett gets a yellow card um, for a professional foul on Jaden Hendrickson, and we were sitting there. I was sitting with John Smith, and and he was going to take the points, and I was like, "Let's go for touch." We've chased this game the entire way. We've now got a we've got now got a chance to actually mentally dent the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. 
even if he didn't score in that first line-out mall, because the line-out mall defense was so good, they were on a team warning anyway there. So there's a good chance they'll go down to 13. Um, mm. Anyway, we didn't happen. We get the three points. We exit poorly through Jaden Hendricks. Again, that strikes in was a bit wide and got into Sam Whitelock's eye line and he, and he hooked it out straight, straight in touch. But then we get two attacking set pieces to fire away at the All Blacks, trailing the game. And we revert to the mall on a box kick deep up the field. Where, where I feel like that is when you die wondering, give yourself a chance. And we mm-hmm. saw that our outside backs did create opportunities of a back of the back of some good, strong forward carries. And, and I just thought that we had a chance to really go for them and put them under pressure, which unfortunately for us, just through a bit of game management, I think we made the wrong decision. What I really want to know is, if, let's say 2007 World Cup, would you have been saying the same thing to John Smith on the field? <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> no, no, no not, not in the final, at least. Uh, you know, the, fi- the final was such a cagey, cagey affair. And, you know, we would play the English, and the nice thing about playing the English, the rest of the rugby world is also supporting you. So yeah. we had a lot of pressure on the shoulders. <laughs> Go for it, Brent. Yeah. I agree with you around that, Scott, because like, obviously you line out more so dominant. You score so many tries off there. And, you know, probably the last two weeks they haven't been able to get over the dotted line. But, you know, I think you even look at um, who was it, um, Arms try, you know, the ability with Willemsa, yeah. LaRue and Andre Pollard with their ball decision, with their ball, being able to pass the ball so long and flat, you know, you look at that try, there's a couple of times Willie LaRue was able to get on the outside because, you know, Caleb Clark and Rico had the first four mindset where they had to try to get that guy that was animated around the back in LaRue on a bounce. Um, I just love to see them use it more, you know, because you know, we know that they're going to be able to, they can score their try, but, you know, if they can't score that, how can they be able, how can they, I guess, you know, they could do bunch of plays where they can go through that transition or use it a little bit more in the backs because, you know, I think Pollard and, you know, LaRue arguably have probably have the best long ball passes yeah. in the world that I think. Um, I always have it on a, on a tee. You look at Willem says, you know, bridge pass, but, um, if they can get those two quick passes, it's so good to see, and I just love to see it yeah. a lot more. Yeah, Brendan, that was exactly it. We felt that it, we went to the mall, and and we were I was screaming out the top of the from our from our commentating boxes. No, no, we got to have a go. You know, we didn't show enough variety on the weekend, and it's one thing to you know play this game plan where you take the speed out of the game against the All Blacks and stick and be so disciplined to it. Sometimes the game throw up a curveball, like no one. The box didn't think they were going to trail a game by 15 points against the box and then ch- against the All Blacks and then chase it. And they were chasing it and they were actually playing some decent stuff. And and I think there's nothing wrong with trying to put a team under a different sort of pressure. Get into the vacuum, get around the corner, cool. and then on the sweep have the long ball option out the back with Villiruru with his hitch kick. Look, Kanye, um, Damien Willems had placed 12 URC predominantly, and he's so good on the ball. Um, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. at fullback, he's doing a good job for us there. But uh, the two test matches where he's moved in closer is against Wales. We were chasing a game. We were trailing by 18 points at half time, and he came out, filled in at, at fly half and transformed the way the team was attacking with, with his work rate in and around our forwards. Henry Pollard, we know, has got that flat pass, and he's also got ability to take it to the line. And I think he's growing into confidence. Mm-hmm. I know he had a frustrating year with injuries, and I think he's... He's a little bit undercooked still, just from confidence-wise, him carrying it to the line, because I think that would really straighten up our, our attack. And then you can have guys like Damon Dallin and Damon Willems, Elokani, up stepping at, at first receiver and actually pulling the trigger. Um, but yeah, it was a bit frustrating into the game. Uh, but I think the game proved that you know we can, we can mix it with the All Blacks when it comes to you know playing rugby, you know, toe-to-toe in the wider channels. 
And I think as well, if you look at the Irish series and if you look at Ireland's victory and the French victory at the end of the tour against the All Blacks, is they didn't go anywhere. Like, they could have taken the points so many times in these test matches and they kept banding away, banding away, go to the corner, go to the corner. And that saps energy. Like, if you're, you know, going against them all, that saps your energy. And if they keep building phases, they've got bodies in motion, you can't hold that out. And it does put yeah. them under different pressure, like you say, is going to the corner and then playing in the 22 and, and not always going for the three, which the Springboks did, to be fair, in that first half. They just went away from yeah. it once the game got close and they, they sort of fought their way back into it. I think the tricky thing is if the kick is like a 90% or 95% kick, you're going to kick it, they get the three points. I think the box will always go for the, for the, for the points. If it's on the touch and you know, like you can kick, the kick is probably a 60% kick, we'll go to touch most times. But I think there's also that game management, like, I don't know about you guys, but last six months I've watched rugby is how hard it is for teams to exit. Yeah. The box obviously mm -hmm. exited for free last week in Alspray, but any other competition I check, once you give that territory up and you've, you're under pressure, the game sits in your half, you know, for, for a fair, fair uh, length of time. So for me, like, if you went, go to touch there and just knock at the door, it might take five, six, seven minutes. But the whole perception of the game, where the game's played, changes. The referee will probably go on a team warning. There's a good chance of you actually going down to 13 men as a defensive a defensive unit. And I think it's just rolling with the times. It never used to be the case back in the day. Like, we used to exit quite easily. You could pass it back 20 metres and kick it out. Um, you know, after now, teams kick a little bit shorter. So you get that ruck just outside of the 22. It's You can't just hoof it off the field. And even if you do so, you, you, you're you defending another attacking set. And with teams being so accurate in defence, it, it's not just a five-minute piece. It, it tends to eat out a lot of time in the game. So... Hence the, the fact mm. that I think, you know, stats will probably show the box where they went wrong or what was their best chance of winning that game. And I, I feared was going for touch at that moment. Now, all of this happened within, I suppose, the context of an all-black coach under pressure, an all-black captain who's copped a lot of nonsense, and a New Zealand rugby circle where everyone is out to get better results. This win, in the context of all of that, do you feel like that's enough? To make people have faith in Ian Foster to carry on in this job. I don't know about people like that's 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 going to be hard to turn around with one result. Like it's as he said, it's been pretty vicious. Um, but I think Skulk's point is is he's got the changing room. Like the players have come out and and supported him, and and one that's a, you know it's great for him, but also a hard thing to walk into if he does get subbed out for another coach that has just heard that the players wanted him to stay. Mm. So it, it it is a um, and it, and it's, it's fair to say they've come out pretty firm as well. So it, it puts them in a tough position. It does. And it includes people like David Harvili, who obviously would fit in pretty well under Scott Robinson, Bryn. You know, it's like these are guys who are Robinson's guys and they're saying Foster, you know, so they obviously believe in him. Yeah, they, they believe in him. But like, you know, what's David going to say? Like, he's not going to say, I don't trust the coach. So, you know, but... It does say that, um, you know, he does have to have the group, um, which is the main important, most important thing. You know, people's perception, especially the media back home here, you know, we're going to have our say around what, you know, what, what we think. But, you know, I think most importantly, if you've got the group, and as you can see, guys like Artie, Artie Severe and Aaron Smith, who are seasoned veterans within the club, and even Davey, who's relatively new, um, they're backing, support, backing um, Ian Foster publicly, or, you know, in, on camera. So I think that just shows how, how he has the group. And, um, yeah, I guess it's so... Weird to have a review after these two weeks, you know. I know 
usually you'd want a bit more um, confidence within your coaching ranks to be able to um, have a full you know, full season or something like that. But I guess with the added pressure of not winning test matches, it's you know it's gone to what is it now? I think they're going to have a board meeting and decide around who the coaches are. But look, I think um, you know the most important thing, Scott, what you talked to on before we came on here, is being able to have the group and you know he's got the group and I guess um, you know that's the kind of decisions that the board will have to have to take into their take into consideration. But, um, we'll soon find out. I guess we'll find out in the next couple of days if Fozzie's going to be the coach or I, if they're going to be moving in a different direction. I agree with you, Brendan, by saying what are they going to say in the cameras. But a mm. lot of a lot of the players have come out on their own volition, <laughs> and it hasn't been a camera in front of them. You know, like that's pretty powerful. I, I don't know. That was pretty powerful to me. Like that's a massive statement. I wonder though. This is one win, and they need some consistency. So in order to get the backing of a board, you probably need to stay until the end of the rugby championship to give him that chance. And let's face it, let's look at the draw. The All Blacks with two Argentina tests at home are now in the box seat to win the rugby championship. And you're not going to sack a guy who's just won a trophy. Are you, Scott? Like, you're not. No, it's, it's a hard one. And, and I guess that you, you boys mentioned it. If you've got the shed, if you've got the changing room, you've got any chance of turning it around, you know, it fusses South Africans quite nice to see that you guys are also just normal rugby nation. We go through this drama every single generation, boys. I mean, Jake White nearly got fired in 2006. We lost the coach before the 2019 World Cup. So as well in 1994, Kitch Christie took over. So we've got drama all around, you know, and it's it's not easy, you know, going through those situations. But I think you actually come out a little bit stronger on the other side. But, I mean, you guys, it's, it's nice to see that New Zealand also are mere mortals and you guys can lose <laughs> six out of seven test matches and the coach's head can be on a chopping block. I mean, you had rugby players playing 150 tests and only losing 15, for sakes. I mean, can't work like that, you know. Um, so, uh, uh, it's... it's, 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 it's it's, 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 it's quite nice for us to see that you, know, you guys can also play rugby like we do. Like we can be a little bit inconsistent. But, you know, regarding the coach, you know, it's, it's not my place of time to know whether Fozzie should stay or go. I mean, that's up for the New Zealand Rugby Union. All I can say is he's doing really well with these two match contract extensions at the minute. <laughs> this is where I'm coming from on this. When I look at Ian Foster's reappointment or non-reappointment, to me, it is more than selecting an All Blacks coach. To me, you are selecting the figurehead of New Zealand rugby. We have to battle for people to come back into the stadiums. We need to make sure more people are tuning in. We need to make sure that young people can relate to the coach, who is the overall leader of all of this. We've got to make sure that casual fans can relate. You know, when, when Scott Robertson waves to the crowd and gives it this one, you know, people are into it. And I just wonder, and I think Scott referred to it maybe a little bit earlier about, you know, the next generation of coaches. I wonder whether it is time, no matter what, this is the time you can bring in Scott Robertson. This is the guy who can bring the rugby community together. This is the guy who can bring you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Sport together. This is the guy who we know, on top of all of that, can win a lot of titles. I just wonder whether this is bigger than rugby, Brent. Well, I think if the decision is to go with Razor, it needs to be made within the next couple of days. So they're doing this review and they're going to make a decision if they're going to stick with Fozzie or they're going to go with Razor. I just think you can't, we can't afford to go through the rugby championship. And I don't think it's fair to Fozzie either to be able to say, you go through the rugby championship, we're going to go through another review and we're going to say, look, you're either going to keep the job or not. And so I think we've, you know, we had the Irish series and then we had a review and now we're having another review and we're just prolonging and not giving the, co- the coaches confidence, you know, Fozzie confidence or the next guy in line to be able to have time to be able to build his program to be able to try and win a World Cup in, you know, just over a year. So um, I can see where you're coming from. Look, I've playing under Razor. You know, I have no doubts that he'd be able to do the job and he'd bring something different with the way that he coaches. But that's not to say that, you know, Fozzie isn't the man for the job. I think he's got the group, which is more important that we've touched on. And so... I just think it's fair. Whoever does get this um, this coaching gig has to make this decision after the two day two days where whenever it's going to come out this week, you've got to back them to the Rugby World Cup and get rid of these reviews and being able to say, you know what, we're going to die on the sword here with Fozzie for the World Cup and whatever the results are they are, or we're going in a different direction with Razor coming in and giving him the time to be able to try win a World Cup in just over a year. I felt like Rassi Erasmus was that for the Springboks. He's a guy who's willing to cry on TV while he's telling a story. He's a guy who puts it all out on the line that people can relate to Skulk. I feel like there's some synergies between those two blokes. Yeah, I guess Rassi was just the, the only man for the job when he got it. Um, you know, Alistair Kutsia, unfortunately, we, we battled under him. And, and Rassi came up and, and he had nothing to lose. And, and whenever you take, pick up a team like the box where they're down in the dumps, it can only go one way. Um, you know, mm. and Rassi was that man to do it. And I think for us, you know, as, as box supporters, the, the big thing was the culture that was instilled. We almost went back old school to what the box stood for, the way we want to play. You know, what is it what our nation wants to see us play? Um, and the first year when Brassie took over, we, we had some big performances. We beat the All Blacks for the first time in, in Youngstown and Wellington in 2018. Um, but we only won 50% of our game, so it does take time. And then 2019, obviously, we won the World Cup. Um, but I, I think the public can relate to what Rusty and Jock Nido was trying to do. We, we respond to the way that the box play, the passion that we see every week from them. And there's a clear identity to what the box stand for. Uh, and I think that's sort of gone by the wayside in the previous generation. Um, but the transitions are never easy. You know, it's, it's hard to have one coach take over from another one in mid-time. And we, you touch on, on young coaches. I think it's it's somewhere where in South Africa we we really don't have a lot of them. You know, our, our, our probably most experienced young coach is Johan van Graan, um, who's now gone to Bath abroad. Um, but yeah, we've got this current crop of coaches who are all reasonably young coaches, but we don't have a lot of head coaches that is young. Um, and and you know, if you if you talk about generation of coaches, you know, Fozzie. Um, has been part of you know a, a golden generation of coaches for for you guys as New Zealand rugby. You know they've been in charge you know since we were still playing back in you know 2004, whenever we started. So, you know they've had a lot of success, and I, and I guess the natural progression would be on to someone like you know um, a razor moving forward. But as I mentioned earlier, that's that's not my decision. You know, he's got enough reviews he's got to worry about. But like if you're a coach and you're getting flown back and forth. You've got to report to different people. It's hard to be freed up as a coach here. And, and that energy, if you've got an anxious coach or there's 
there's speculation about the coach's future often you know makes its way into you know into the changing room which is not an ideal way to play rugby yeah and it's also backroom stuff like that. it's not just one man we're talking about like there's a lot of stuff riding on like this i mean it must be a you know challenging environment just with all the stress and pressure and i think you know Fozzie made himself human in his after match speech just saying how much stress he was under and you know he's lost weight and um, you know, he, it's 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 weighing on him, and that that almost makes the win more amazing. With the, like <laughs> how 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 it, how they galvanise themselves together, and they've spoken about adversity and outside the back of adversity, you learn a lot about yourself. And um, I agree, I I totally agree with that. But they do need stability, and, and I, I I do yeah. think that they'll that everyone needs clarity. You know. Yeah. Um, you know the public want it, but the players, the the, the backroom staff, Fozzy, you know probably Razor wants to know if he's doing the Crusaders or uh, uh, we don't even know. We're assuming he want like he's up for it. Do you know what I mean? Like he might he might not yeah. have put his hand up for it. There's just so many assumptions and, and and not a lot of clarity. But what I do know is the narrative has changed. Certainly from the people I've spoken to, you know it's gone from hey let's get rid of Ian Foster to this is pretty cruel. Like, Ian Foster's been put in a bad position, and, and suddenly it's actually NZR getting the bad press. It's not Ian Foster. And well, over time, that will continue to build, I would have thought. But that's what I mean. Like, it's pretty disappointing how they've come out, you know, and come enough to, like, you know, Mark Robertson stayed over in South Africa to be able to, like, you know, to, to, he prolonged his tour another week and then comes out and says, like, has a, has a media conference around saying, like, oh, we're going to make a decision when we get back home. Why even say anything? just wait to get back home and then say, hey, this is going to be the decision that we're going to go through. So for me, it was just pretty frustrating to hear, like, there was no point around saying, like, look, we've got, we've, we've made a decision, we haven't made a decision, uh, we're going to go back, that's for the board members to be able to make that decision and then they're going to make it when they go back home. You didn't need to announce that. It just adds more, adds more stress and there was no reason for it. So that's one thing that I was disappointed about and you could probably see it, but you can see New Zealanders empathising with, with Fozzie around, you know, how they um, how they did that. So I don't know, Jim, you might have felt a little bit different, but you obviously, yeah, it might be a little bit different, but yeah, that's just how I felt with that whole announcement was yesterday. <laughs> nah, sorry, I'm just laughing. Uh, because... you know, you know no, no, sorry. no. I'm just laughing. Heart? I'm laughing because like it's just so funny how like to use my own experience, like I was just seriously abused last week for how optimistic I was about the All Blacks. <laughs> and like just inundated on Instagram and Twitter. And then honestly, from Sunday morning through to now, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agreed with you, mate. Yeah, you know, like, it's like, like uh, where were you last Friday when I was getting absolutely yeah. gotten into? But, and I think that's, you know, something yeah. we've got to consider here is there was no support for Foster now. There, you know, like, it's just, you, you talk about people engaged in the game. Well, I think we've got a lot of engagement in the game and a lot of interest in it. But there's a reason why you're put in certain positions is to make calls and, and They've just got to make it. I, I, I know it sounds simple, but it, it just, it, I do think there needs to be some clarity. And for all, just to get de stress it in so you can focus on footy. We know what it's like. You play your best footy when almost your off the field stuff is sorted and you, you, yeah. you, you know, everything there is um, you know, just running like a smooth ship and you can just zone in on, on what you're needing to achieve in, in, in the game on Saturday. And at the moment, there, there's, you know, no one can say that. They'd be thinking clearly about footy 24/7, um, with all the distraction. You just can't avoid it at the moment. It's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. 
Well, we've got a couple of weeks till we see footy again. Uh, New Zealand, Argentina and Australia, South Africa. Uh, we don't have much more time to talk about that game, to be honest. Uh, but maybe, Skull, from your point of view, when you've watched the Wallabies go about what they've done from a really good comeback to, wow, a very average result against Argentina, how do you think that will match up against your Springboks and how they play? Um, look, I think both sides have got inconsistencies. We're probably a little bit more consistent um, than, than the Wallabies. I know they've had a bit of a disaster regarding players leaving to a, um, a lot of injuries happening in key positions. And I think that that's the way Dave Rennie wants to play is ambitious. He wants to play with width. He wants to play in you know, a high-tempo game. Somewhere you need someone to calm that down. Um, Karevi was that man last last year at number 12. He was just incredible against the box. He was the point of difference in the two test matches, making line breaks, offloads, busting through the middle of our defence, um, which was incredible to watch. He was in a, an amazing form last season. So for us, I think, you know, their weakness, if you think, will probably be there's a bit of a soft underbelly in the tight five. If you really got to you know, push, push on a number where there's a weakness in the game and then it will probably be error rate. So both those two things, I think, suit the box. But to be honest, we don't have a great record in New Zealand. You know, we're good against the Aussies down in South Africa, but when we play them abroad, you know, we, we, we're not that great. We're not playing one of the stadiums where we jinx that. So Brisbane is a horror show for us as box. Our record is diabolical down there. But we're going down to Adelaide, which is a new experience for everyone. We're playing at the cricket stadium down there. And then we're playing at the new uh, stadium in the, at the, where the old SFS used to be. So it's two, two happy hunting grounds for us as the box. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, as I mentioned, we're not the finished article. So... If I could put safe money on it, I think we'll get a result in one of those two games and lose one, unfortunately. You'd have to look at that game, though, on the weekend and see that the two areas they struggled was the collision, which was spoken about, which is the Springbok's mm -hmm. strength, and the aerial game. You know, four tries on the back of not being able to secure um, up-and-unders or grubbers in behind in that kick space. And I know they've got a lot of injuries and guys playing out of position, but that's... That's the reality of the situation. And Dave Rennie, straight after the game, was just like, well, you're not going to win a game of rugby if you don't win the breakdown. So, I mean, you'd have to still go down there buoyed with confidence that if you put out the performance you did in week one against the All Blacks, it's going to be pretty tough to beat. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're spot on. And we've got to ask the right questions. If we put them under pressure and ask them to exit all the time, make tackles, you know, if they want to run from deep and they are quite loose, they, they're very loose in the way they attack that's going to suit us around the breakdown. So, you know, like for us as the box, I think we'll be smarting off this loss. I think we we will be disappointed in, in the result that we came at Ellis Park because, you know, whenever you find the All Blacks not playing at their best, I mean, it didn't happen very often in our time. Um, but at 09, it was one of those cases. You want to make it count. And 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 09, we were able to beat you guys three times on the bounce. Um, and I think this generation of players have had a lot of heartache against the All Blacks. You know, they only recently started believing that they could beat the All Blacks. Um, so for them, it was a golden opportunity to really, you know, put that belief, you know, into reality. Um, and I guess they've got a point to prove against Australia. After last year, they were really, you know, they're poor in the two, two test matches up in the Gold Coast and Brisbane, respectively. So... Um, I, I think, you know, our strengths, you know, and, and the Aussie weaknesses sort of match up nicely for the box. But as I mentioned, you know, in Australia, we don't have a great record at all. Now, Skog, before we let you go, let's get a little less serious. Eh? There's been a lot of code <laughs> chat, right? Tell us, <laughs> your favourite opponent to share a beer with after a game and why? 
Um, ooh, there's many. Um, you know, there's one playing in South Africa. Um, we used to you travel a fair bit. We still had the old 14-team curry cup, so we go to these small little towns and you end up in a pub. And you know, it's always the smaller towns, whether it's Kimberley, we have Bloemfontein, um, George, Port Elizabeth, you know, we sort of tend to go larger. You know, there's a similar experience done in Palmerston North. <laughs> now, they dragged us from Wellington and we played, we played the Hurricanes in, in Palmerston North. And... Um, you know, for some reason, we ended up in Jason Eaton's garage. Um, <laughs> that doesn't between, surprise me. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere between three and five. And and we were obviously walking back. I was walking with John the Villiers, and he, he he gets the munchies real bad late night. So we were walking, and we found this little the pie shop. Um, and on, on route there, this 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 little guy from Palmerston North ran to me. He recognized me in Skulkburger, but he had a big steak pie. And he gave a hug, and as his hand came around, I just felt John de Villiers' hands clamp onto him. <laughs> it was the longest hug in world rugby because he finished his whole steak pile off the back of the hug. <laughs> uh, so I, I, had to, I had to go buy this guy a steak pie, but yeah, we, had a, we had a good experience in Palmerston North. But I went there twice, and that was enough. I won't, I won't be in a hurry back to Palmerston. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> Oh, that's so Sorry to all our Palmerston North viewers. Sorry, guys. Oh, they're, Sorry. They're, they're realists down in Palmy, mate. They know what's up. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's really, really good. Um, what about your favourite off-field yarn about a teammate? Uh, I guess. I mean, Bucky Spurter was a special, a special <laughs> bloke. Um, <laughs> just the way he went about his life. You know, like he, he obviously direct translates most things from Afrikaans to English. So Bucky's was one of the guys that I find myself giggling at. And then I shared a room with John De Villiers for for Yonks uh, for ages. And um, he's such a decent bloke. But they give him two beers and he turns into something else. <laughs> and he goes absolutely ballistic. Uh, my favourite story about him is actually on it was actually on field and uh, we were roommates and we were sort of making our way out. We we're playing Bloemfontein. It was 2007, just before the world. We we're playing against England. Black place is absolutely packed. There's 45,000 people there. He's lying next to me and he used to wear these like tight medak pants underneath, you know, the white Springbok um, shorts. And he's lying there and he's, he's letting out some some big farts. And I'm like, partner, this is not going to end well. You know, some, one of them is going to definitely follow through. And, and my, my words weren't even out of my mouth. And I could hear something just like, <laughs> straight through. And the sheer panic on this bloke's face, like you could see, like he didn't know whether he could get up. He's got white shorts on. Luckily, he's got this medics. The coach, assistant coach, Gerd Small, comes to him. And he's like, John, you really got to call through to the Fords. You know, to, and he's like, what the hell is that smell? And John's like, no, 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 I'll get, I'll get, I'll get the calls through. But the panic when he got up. And he took like two steps and then everything started running down his legs into his socks. Oh. I could I could not I could not recover in time for the game. I was basically catching the first kickoff, giggling like this. I was like how did the, how did I just experience this happening? So the, the bloke basically sprinted off the pitch. I had to call the team manager to bring you know, a, a new set of jumpers down in a medic. So uh, oh, it was absolutely incredible to witness. <laughs> That's very good. He's going to be shitting himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's gotta be that's gotta be on our Instagram or something like that. That's the story there. That's gotta be a handle or something. Yeah, that's, that's a great yarn. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much. We'll have to get John De Villiers on to uh, return fire, <laughs> so to speak. Um, for sure, he'll he'll have some good ones too. Don't worry. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Scott. We really appreciated your time and your insight into uh, the games on the weekend. Go well, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks, thanks, Cheers, thanks for having awesome, me, guys. Mark. Thanks for waking me up nice and early on a Monday. And <laughs> next time, if we have the chat, can we have it uh, post a Bok win, please? <laughs> <laughs> what a treat. You can spit a yarn. He certainly can. Because <laughs> I'm glad I'm not one of his teammates. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a great yarn. Why do we carry on and have a quick look at the quick fire rounds, guys? Um, player of the round for you from the Weekend Rugby Championship. Sam Whitelock. Huge shift. Mm. It could have been any one of the forwards, to be honest. Like that, it was such a performance up front. I, look, I thought Rico was outstanding, and and you know, for people that say that he's not a centre, if he did not have the pace he has, like a winger, he would not have recovered, and and saved a multiple tries um, through through his efforts off the ball. But <clears throat> you can only do it. I say it time and time again. If the numbers one to eight do the business, and Sam Whitelock was huge in the strip. And the defensive effort, getting turnovers, his counter-rucking, just, and Bryn's mentioned his turnover in the 77th minute, just almost sealed the performance off for me. Mm. For you, Bryn? Yeah, I went, I went Sammy Whitelock as well. I think, you know, Rico could have gone close. He was rewarded um, with, you know, man in the match in South Africa, who I thought was defensively outstanding. Like you said, Jip, um, though the ability to be able to use his speed to be able to um, have those cover tackles, it's a real asset that he has. But look, yeah, I thought Sam... I think, you know, the week that was, it's just been happening as well, I think his leadership, you know, it's been talked around a lot around him and helping out Sam Kane and with his leadership roles. And I, I guess being able to do that um, in a leadership sense and then being able to put in the performance that he did on the weekend, he was um, he wound back the clock. And I think, you know, desperately, you look at great All Blacks and, you know, legendary kind of status. Um, it's in those kind of test matches that you put your name um, up against that. And so he was he was that um, and everything on the weekend um, and influenced the game in so many, ga- in so many parts and, and he was my player with the round four for sure. I just want to touch on a couple more if I can. Um, we've obviously touched on Samasoni, but the big fella, Skoltberg, giving the tip of the cap to Shannon Frizzell, mm. like that is a, mm. that's a hell of an acknowledgement of a performance if he's impressed him. So, you know, Shannon did make a big difference in terms of his physicality and, and, and as Skolt said, boss the game line. Um, and then Richie yeah. Moanga, like he can't go unnoticed. He, he created a lot of opportunities off the back of the forward pack, but you still got to have the ability to take it. And then his, his goal kicking was so crucial and, and he was just so calm. And what was, every time he lined up a kick, I was just like, man, that must be loud there. And, and you know, for someone, he does openly talk about, he loves the pressure cooker, absolutely loves it. And, yeah. you know, when it's the biggest occasion and the biggest pressure cooker, he does have that ability to stand up and deliver. So he's another one. I thought it was um, David Harvilli's best test match as well. And, you know, I think, the more time that he's going to be able to spend there, I guess it's just what with his skill set that he has and was probably shown in, in that test match, whether it be through crossfield kicks, um, the 50-22s, the middle of the field, being able to uh, put, you know, if Richie can't kick the ball, then he's got that, that ability to be able to kick as well. So, um, you know, he's obviously still finding his, finding his feet around, you know, he'd probably want to get a few of the, uh, rid of a few of those errors and that kind of stuff. But I guess with him and Richie, they work so well together. They know they know each other inside and out. So, um, I know we've got Bodie, Bodie there as well at 10 who can, who can slot in right to 10, but look, I thought those two in tandem really drove the All Blacks really well, put them in the right positions of the field due to their kicking and 
and the distribution game as well. World Rugby Player of the Year, who's in the box seat? Is it Lucanio Arm, Adi Savia, or Antoine Dupont? Adi's got to be up there. Man, mm. he, he, he just doesn't seem to have a bad game. Um, Arm's the same, though. Well, I don't know. And, and Dupont, obviously, it's a quiet period for him, so it's hard. But I think Dupont would have to be in the box seat because obviously he's, he's the current champion. And if he keeps putting on performances in the French, you know, string a, a, a big you know, season together at the back end, he's a chance um, purely based on result factor because if they win the most percentage, that has to be weighed into it, especially in, in such a key position as, as nine. Um, but, man, those yeah. other two, it's hard, though. Like, it's such a hard thing to pick. You know, remember Dusatoire and Jerome, like... They both were quality and someone, you know, it's, it's such a brutal... At least you were comparing apples with apples then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But if you look at impact on the game, like Artie has huge impact on the game. Arm doesn't matter, like you said, you know, on the wing, midfield, you know, defensively. And Dupont is Dupont. Actually, like, he does have a ridiculous amount of impact. That didn't answer it really, Ross, no. if I'm honest. No, no. <laughs> I'll go with Dupont. <laughs> I'll go with Dupont. What are you thinking, Brendan? Yeah, like you said, these guys influence games at, at the highest level and they do it consistently. But um, yeah, you'd probably have to think, oh man, it's so hard to go against Adi. I just think he's been, you know, in tough test matches, he's just been the best on the park in, in a losing effort. But I guess, like you said, Jip, the winning the winning factor and the, how successful the team is because, you know, it's so close. You don't know. You could pick any of these guys. It's, you know, a percent here or there that they do something a little bit better. But I guess the, the way of the French and how they are at the moment, where they are classed, at the top of the world rankings, um, that's got to be able to, um, you know, being able to um, have some form of, um, I guess, positive and being able to win the World Rugby Player of the Year because you know these guys influence games consistently, um, and so you'd have to just think, you know, the point with winning the Six Nations and then you know his, his success at club level as well, it helps as well. So you just, yeah, I'd go anybody, but you'd have to go to Pont. If you asked the question two weeks ago when Johnny Sexton was walking on water, we probably would have had him in there too. He'd have to be in the yeah. mix though, actually. Like he would, like you, you talk about game management. Johnny Sexton has that ability of knowing when to go to the corner or like he, like he is just, yeah. he's got it down to an art form of when things need to happen. He's almost like a coach on the field. And just on that as well, he's probably one guy out of all those guys in a team, if they don't have Johnny Sexton in Ireland, they're a completely yeah. different team. They just don't. I don't, think they, I don't think they beat the All Blacks without Johnny Sexton, and that's a pretty powerful when there's 14 well, other players or 22 got, players. When he got taken off the field early at Eden Park, they lost their shape. Exactly. exactly, and it just shows how pivotal and how you know vital he is for their Irish team. So you talk around influencing and most valuable player for the team, and you know you say World Rugby as well. You know Johnny Sexton, he'd have to be in there. All that right, it's Johnny Sexton. <laughs> we've we've convinced ourselves. We've done it. It's Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Johnny yeah. <laughs> he won't have been nominated now. All right. Well, he's not going to be available for the team of the week. <laughs> no, he's not. Who's in your team of the week? Uh, I'll go quickly. Um, Gallo from RG. Slipper and De Groot were close, but um, I went with him two tries and, like, muscled over tries and, and good in his core role. Uh, Tokiaho, Lomax, Whitelock, Barrett, Frizzell, Peter Steph, Detoit, Adi Savia, uh, Bertrano at nine, Richie Mong at ten, Mpimpi at uh, left wing, Dave Havili at 12, Rico Ioanni 13, uh, Buffelli on the right wing, um, and because Willems has spent so much, he played really well, but he spent so much time in the midfield, um, I'll have to go Willie LaRue at fullback. Okay. 
So did I hear Lucanio arm there? No. You didn't? No. Boffelli was really good on the right wing. Yeah. And, and yeah. Mipipi was, was good and you know, his stats were just mm. too good to leave out. And Rico was player of the game. Yeah, and he just didn't spend enough, like, that much time at centre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Tough, tough, tough making the Parsons 15, that's for sure. <laughs> no, oh, well, apparently I'm on something, so <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe what, don't listen. Whatever you were on last week, we should all be buying it. Yeah, right? well, yeah. I was I was on to something. <laughs> Let it go, James. Let, Let it go. go. Yeah, but your DMs were very empty this week. Oh uh, No, there were a lot of positive <laughs> ones since yeah. Sunday. It's been great. <laughs> thanks to the support, people. Nice. <laughs> Make any changes to that, Bryn? Uh, there's a there's a few, not not too many. The Ford pick's pretty similar. I've gone Gallo as well from Argentina. Went Tokiaho, Lomax, uh, Sammy, and Scott Barrett. I went had Mate- I thought Matero played pretty well for Argentina, but you can't go past uh, Shannon Frizzell. I've gone He's to a Coit. crusader through and uh, through, uh, isn't he? And then I actually gone, I went, um, had to put one Aussie in there. I had to go Valentini. I thought he was actually. Pretty good for uh, for Australia, you know. Like you could put Adi Severe in every single week, and not saying that he didn't have a great game, but I thought, you know, Valentini. It is a world for world, world, you know. We're considering all players, and Valentini was really good for Australia. When uh, Bertrand, who he was fantastic, and if he can play like that with their forwards giving him um, some good go forward ball in the next couple of Test matches, he's a really great um, halfback coming through the system at the moment. I've gone Richie. I went Arm on the left wing. Actually, I know he didn't play on the left wing, but. Um, you know, I've gone Buffelli as well, who I thought was great for Argentina, ball in hand, um, eerily as well. And, and goal um, some really good Some really good decisions. Um, we David and Rico in the midfield, and I actually went, um, I went, did I go at fullback? I went, I went LaRue as well at fullback. I would have gone Philipsa, but for the fact that he got a yellow card, um, you couldn't just put him in there. But yeah, I've gone LaRue. I agree, it was pretty hard on him, that yellow card. That definitely wasn't his. <laughs> yeah. He was confused too when he went off. Now, we do have some more international footy coming up this weekend. We don't have any rugby championship. What we do have is an important test for the Blackburns against the Wallaroos. Now, they're playing Australia in the first of the two Laurie O'Reilly tests in Christchurch before going to Adelaide the week after that. They won 23-10 in the Pacific Four Nations Cup against Australia. What do you think is going to happen this time around? Well, I spent a bit of time about half a day in the, in the Black Ferns camp and caught up with Wayne Smith and um, Mike Cron. And they were just glowing for the thirst for knowledge and you know drive to be better um, in, in the squad and, and what they're seeing. Like, like Smithy was glowing himself. He was like, this is gold, mate. He goes, this is, this is outstanding, you know, what I'm seeing and what I'm able to, you know, put out there for, for these these players to soak up. So you can only think coaches of that skill set and that experience and that knowledge of what great looks like and people that love detail, like we're talking love detail, that they're going to be better. Wallaroos might be better, but I, I am excited for, for where it could get to, but I still don't think they're necessarily going to pick what they perceive as their best 23 I still think they're creating opportunities to make sure that they pick the exact um, top 30 players or whatever they're allowed to pick for, for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think there's a lot of opportunity in and around that. And, and even for players that are in the FPC that are on the outer, you can see that they are so desperate to get back into this environment and squad that they're bringing out some of their best performances. Like on the weekend at Bay of Plenty, you had Les Elder, you had Kendra Reynolds and Pia Tapsell, 6, 7 and 8. and Mate, they were so dynamic and so like. Even though they lost, like they were on the losing side, mm-hmm. 
um, they just at the breakdown, their physicality, um, their, their influence on the game was, was massive. And you can see it's all driven towards making that World Cup squad. Yeah. And I think also, and I think also, and I was, before I came to Japan, I, I caught up with, I was at the airport and saw the Bremner twins and I talked to them, you know, about the environment around, you know, what are they trying to, to improve from their um, Northern Hemisphere team and so, Northern Hemisphere tour. And it was around their, you know, their skill set and being able to play. And so in that kind of Pacific Nations, when they played the Australians, it was, they were wet both games. And so they probably weren't able to, to show uh, where they'd come through with their skill set because, look, you know, their breakdown when they play the Northern Hemisphere team is no different in, in the men's game. You know, that's probably where the Northern Hemisphere teams are a little bit better with us at the moment, and especially in set piece as well. We, we struggled there last year, but, um, you know, if we can get our attacking brand and being able to play an expansive game and run these teams around, I think it's, it'll be a great way for us to be able to, to try and win that Rugby World Cup because, um, you know, you've got Wayne Smith and, you know, you're talking around girls that are hungry to be able to, to learn and to get better. You know, it's, it's a pretty powerful job when you've got those kind of uh, mindsets of being able to try to get better in, in their full time as well. So, you know, if they've got the time to be able to try and uh, get better in, within their, um, sorry, their Bunnings NPC programs and work full-time as well in rugby, it's only going to help them. And I think then, you know, the seven skills coming back as well, you know, the likes of Stacey Flula, um, you know, Flula and being able to get, you know, Nathan Wong and those kind of girls back into the environment, it's only going to add depth and competition um, with that group as well. So, um, you know, fingers crossed they can get the job done against these um, Wallaroos girls because it's really important for them to be, to be able to play meaningful test matches um, with the World Cup just around the corner. I think what you mentioned about the dedication to a full-time programme is, is quite important because yeah. I ran into Willie Walker who was um, in and around the camp as well, obviously coach of Auckland Storm, and he goes, I, you can just see the difference of being fully dedicated to rugby, this, the increase in, in their skill set accuracy and, their, and I suppose yeah. their... Um, you know, attention to detail at training to get things right. He, he noticed a massive difference. So we're talking, what's that, eight months um, um, that that's been in place? You know, you think what it's going to be like in a couple of years' time and where the, where the women's game can go in terms from an entertainment point of view um, and for our game. Yeah, invest in them and they'll come. Like, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll win some games. Well, look, yeah. at the, look at the sevens, boss. You look at the sevens, you know. Yeah, and that didn't happen straight away. Did it? You know, Correct, like, it didn't. It, it, just shows it takes time, you know, it's not going to be instantaneous. Mm, mm. Tyler is an outside no, back. She was a nine for Northland Rath last year, wasn't she? I think she's someone that could probably play anywhere. Mm. Like, um, she, she's definitely got the pace, obviously, and the skill set to be a first receiver fullback. Um, she's probably got the pace to be on the wing. Um, uh, potentially a centre, because defensively and, and, and using that speed, maybe not a second five. Um, and then obviously a nine. There's options there. Yeah. <laughs> a, a plenty, plenty. Most of, options, of those yeah. service girls can cover a lot of spots, though. Yeah, like they 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 are very versatile um, through their experience at sevens. Mm, mm. Uh, watching the English and the French last year, you could see the slickness that you see in our sevens team. You know, when it comes to the catch and pass and just those basic skills, there's there's a good correlation there. Yeah, uh, man. I, um, the young girl from Bay of Plenty's Second five Monga, man, she threw like two or three of these cutout passes on the weekend that were just exceptional, man. And then gave a big donata to score one herself. But she's a young talent coming through that. No doubt if they were watching that game, they, they would have uh, marked her name down. She was, she was awesome. And then there's like Charmaine McMenamin, Victoria zabritsky Nafatali. We've got some old school players who are coming back for a crack at this, Bryn. And that sort of builds that depth in underneath and the experience. 
Well, it's exactly what it does. You know, anytime you can have experience and girls that are hungry, you know, you've got a, a World Cup just around the corner and you want to be able to be a part of that. And I think, you know, the more that these girls are given opportunities before fully contracted, you know, you've obviously got the New Zealand Sevens, you've got New Zealand Women's as well that are going to be fully contracted. And then, you know, also just being able to play in this FPC is really important and being able to get to that standard as well. And so, um, you know, it's going to take time, like you said, Jip, with, uh, with the Sevens girls when they had the opportunities from the first point and then to where they are now, they have had that time to be able to, to build and so you'd like to think you know with uh, with that happening and obviously old picky was there as well you'd like to think that competition is going to improve and be able to continue to keep getting better for these girls to have opportunities to be able to play at fpc and then playing at super rugby old picky and they've been able to play uh, meaningful test matches for the black fans because um, you know they need to be given opportunities and you'd like to think that they're slowly getting them and um, you know a long way they continue great to see you again brenna thank you very much for uh, coming along again all the way from japan <laughs> Jip, you'll have a nice spare weekend of no DMs this weekend. So you, you just I, I just have, I, I just feel so much more at ease that it's not just going off. <laughs> I, I tell you what, it was, it was not as satisfying as it would have been for the All Black team to have that victory, but it was very satisfying yeah. for me as well. Well, you've done well not to say I told you so. so yeah. <laughs> congratulations. I've worked my way around it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And thank you very much for joining us once again on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. We'll catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.